Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Parent Nation, how you doing? I am. Uh, we're we're. I am. I'm on here by myself today. We're trying to get Kelly because I don't know what's going on. It's. It must be. It must be a first day of March thing that uh, that people's phones aren't working. I don't know what's going on. But uh, anyway, I'm so excited because it's Dad Day, and I'm feeling like there's something really wrong with my my microphone. But anyway, um, I'm hearing myself in my ears, and I'm really, really loud. I didn't realize I was this loud. <laughs> but anyway, happy March. It's, uh, it's, um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on today. It's like super, I call it Terrible Tuesday because... Um, there's there's so much going on in our election process right now that it's absolutely insane and I'm not even happy about it. But hey, I think I hear Kelly. I'm here. Hey, darling. I hear you talking about election. No, no, no. You know what? I was saying that it's terrible Tuesday. Mm. And uh and and today's the day that they do, you know, that that 11 states have their primaries all in one day. Right. So, you know, this has been a big determining factor on who's going to be the the running the candidates for each party in the past. And uh, and I'm I'm just sick over it. So I've decided that I'm going to talk about everything that makes more sense than our current election. Okay. (laughs) Now that makes sense. Now that makes sense, right? So (laughs) it's just I'm just so out of it. It's dad day. Oh, yeah. Hi, Yay. That definitely makes more sense than our election. I'm super mm, excited sure about our two guests today. As we're going to be talking with, um, in our next segment, we're going to be talking to Corey Livingstone, who's the, uh, it, he's, he's a music education director, right, Kelly? Yeah. And um, he's the founder and director of the Toronto High School of the Performing Arts and has some amazing graduating students to his credit. So I'm super excited to talk to him about how to incorporate music in our kids' lives and how important that is. Music and arts, actually, right? Yes. Definitely. Love both of them. Love both of them. That's, you know, honest to God, Kelly, music was the only thing, music and theater were the only things that kept me in school. Mm, Really? That's the honest to God's truth. And, you know, it's, I know people are like, well, I wasn't good at math. I wasn't good at any of it. <laughs> None of it. Like, I didn't you give liked, a crap. Yeah. You liked all the elective classes. I didn't even like all the electives. Home ec was stupid. <laughs> Our teacher was drunk every freaking day. Oh, no. Yeah. we Three, it, it, three class periods to learn how to iron a shirt. Seriously? Nah. 
Yeah. And we sewed a pillowcase. That's what we did. That was the dumbest class ever. Shop. Mm. Industrial arts. I don't know what the hell they call it now, but shop class. Shop was awesome. Because we learned yeah, I made a jewelry. I made a jewelry box. Did you? We in jewelry box. Yeah, it was really cool. We made um, candle holders, like candle sconces for the wall, and we made mm-hmm. a bench. We made cool stuff in shop. Why do I feel like I am really like crackly? Do I do I sound really crackly to you? No, anyway, it doesn't sound matter. good to me. All right. Hey, thanks, Kelly. You sound pretty good to me too. So, yeah. So, anyway, I'm 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 excited to have this conversation about art. And thanks, Ben. Ben said I sound good too. But mm-hmm. do I sound sexy, Ben? That's what I want to know. Sure. So, <laughs> and then in our third segment, we're going to be talking to Elliot Katz. And Elliot sent us his book. Did you read it? I shouldn't yeah. ask you this question. Good book. It's- <laughs> Um, he's the uh, Elliot sent us this book called being the strong man a woman wants which goes along with what Ben just said no never mind um and (laughs) (laughs) Ben's Ben's our silent producer parent nation in case you're wondering who the hell is this Ben guy that they're talking about he's not like an imaginary boyfriend that Kelly and I have invented to make our lives have purpose during the day while we're by ourselves. He is actually a person doing a job on a radio show. So anyway, that's a little thing about Ben, but so anyway, our, uh, yes, our audience doesn't know that he writes little notes to us. Oh yeah. Ben writes little notes to us <laughs> while we're on the air. <laughs> and so laugh. sometimes we'll laugh inappropriately and, uh, and that'll just, just understand that it's not us being psycho. It's, it's actually Ben's little notes. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yeah, anyway. So Kelly, did you hear about the latest struggle that millennials are facing? Uh hmm. Now remember, uh, this is things their that bosses make, won't let them take a long lunch. It's close. Oh. Well, cereal companies, you've heard this, right? Cereal companies are getting very concerned because millennials find it too difficult to eat cereal. Apparently (laughs) there's too much work involved. You know, you got to get out the box, the bowl, the spoon, the milk, there's a mixture, you know, there's like, you know, there, there, it's almost like a chemistry involved there. And then there's cleanup. You can't just take it in your car with you and eat it on the road. Right. You know, there's a lot of stress that goes into eating a bowl of cereal in the morning. So millennials have backed off of the cereal thing. And uh, as a result, I guess they're not giving it to their kids either. So cereal companies are stressing, you know. (laughs) How do you even raise a kid without ever giving them Frosted Flakes or Fruit Loops? I know. I understand. Uh, You know, I think it is hysterical. Hysterical. The people talk about all the, you know, oh, the reason that kids today are so sick and this and this and that. Kelly, I went through a period in my life where all I would eat was Fruit Loops. <laughs> I know it. And, and bagged <laughs> cream chip beef on toast without the toast. Oh. We didn't always have bread. So seriously, it's like, oh, my goodness gracious. You know, give your kids a banana every once in a while, an apple. You're doing good. You know, if the meat doesn't have to be refrigerated, I would probably question that. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's beef jerky. Then all bets are off. Healthy. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. I love yeah. it. Back to the cereal thing for a minute. My daughter, when she when the carpool picks her up, she's got her cereal in a red Solo cup with her milk and her plastic spoons so she can eat it on the way. Coolest way to eat cereal ever. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That is funny. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Yeah. You know, I used to mix my cereal with yogurt. Ooh, no, I didn't do that. And then it wasn't so messy. Don't judge me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my kids don't eat cereal, though. I have to admit it. My kids do not eat cereal. They eat cereal bars. They eat protein bars. They eat yogurt, fruit. Oh, bird just flew into the window. It was a loud one, too. <laughs> Tis the season. Uh, <laughs> Stop watching them. Year, two seasons a year, we get bird casualties, like serious bird casualties at my house. Oh. My studio. My, 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 my studio. I meant to say that. <laughs> so yeah anyway sorry birdie that's not gonna go so well for him bye but bye anyhow, birdie bye bye birdie wow <laughs> there's a spin on that show <laughs> the story of tara kennedy klein's recording studio and the birds right. who died from it but anyway hey do you do anything for leap day <laughs> i was just gonna ask you that really is it yeah. a holiday? Um, no, not officially. How does Groundhog Day get freaking day? Groundhog Day gets a day, but Leap Day doesn't? Well, I mean, it gets a name, but the banks it, are still open. Still got mail. Oh, oh, banks and mail are on Groundhog Day, too. Right. But we, we like, we, like, everybody knows about Groundhog Day. Like, you celebrate Groundhog Day. I don't know why. But we do. But Leap Day, like, do you, uh, do you have friends that got married on Leap Day? No, I don't know anyone that did. Uh, we have, like, three sets of friends that got married on Leap Day. Wow. Yeah. How, How crazy do? is that? <laughs> My kid's music instructor got married on Leap Day, so they've been married for 28 years, but they've only celebrated it seven times. <laughs> what do they do on the off year? I don't know. Nothing. Ignore it like everybody else does. You don't forget when it's on leap oh, day. No. You only have to remember it once every four years. You don't forget that. Right. And there's usually a lot of hype up and reminders that's coming up. You I didn't even think of it. TV. Oh, see, I don't watch TV. No. I binge watch like on Roku. <laughs> Roku, huh? Yeah, we got you're, Roku. You're going we, off the grid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not even close going off the grid you silly girl i would lose my <laughs> mind Ugh. god i can't stand my family in the three hours that we have to communicate because that's like a oh move. stop <laughs> <laughs> there she goes creating those rules she doesn't even want to follow herself <laughs> it's the truth my husband made the, he was like he got on me the other night because he's like and he didn't get on me in a good way either. No, he got I was on me the say, other day. Uh... <laughs> that sounded like bonus, Tara. Nope, <laughs> not that kind of it. No, he got on me the other night because I was on my phone and he was trying to talk to me. 
right? Oh. So, you know, he wasn't trying to talk to me. He was trying to talk to me about a stupid TV show. There you go, Kelly. And, <laughs> and I wasn't paying attention to it because I didn't care. I mean, that's the absolute truth. I did not care about what was on the television. I cared about what was on my phone. So he right. got mad and he's like, you know, we tell the kids to get off their phones at nine o'clock and blah, blah, blah. So I think we should do the same thing. So me being a good sport and all, I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. You know, do as I say, do as I do, whatever. So last night it's like, it's like eight. No, it wasn't. It was like seven fifty nine. Cause I'm like, I'm going to one up it. I'm going to put my phone away at eight o'clock. Right. Ooh. And then I get into these crazy discussions on social media and I can't hang up. But anyway, oh, um, no. but anyway, it was like two minutes before eight and I'm like, screw it. So I put the phone away. We started watching a movie Guess who was on his phone all night? Mm, Mr. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wonderful. That's right. That's his new name, Mr. Wonderful. So. <laughs> but I didn't say nothing because I'm the bigger person. We all know that. Oh. Yeah. I was like, what ups? I, every once in a while I go, so what are you, uh, what are you looking up? <laughs> uh, he didn't get it. He didn't see the funny I see the yeah. funny everywhere I look. Holy crap. Yeah. Speaking of seeing the funny everywhere you look, have you heard about this new trend in California, the Marijuana Moms Club? No. So, you, you know I have moms and bars. I'm not ashamed of it. But moms and bars is a completely different concept because it's about releasing the stigma of women going into bars casually, right? Right. The, and and we should be allowed to to hang out as girls and talk about stuff. No, 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 no. Marijuana Moms Club is about women who advocate cannabis use to help them be better parents. Oh. What do you think about that? Well, I think people will come up with anything to uh, rationalize their decision. I, I like the way you think, and I like the way you put that. It was very non-judgmental. Me, <laughs> Judgy McJudgerson, I'm like, hey, Stoner Sally, you shouldn't be high while you're trying to breastfeed your two-year-old, okay? Like, that's not okay. If you can't even see the words in Goodnight Moon and you're, like, making shit up, that's not okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and stop eating all their snacks. Right? Like you're eating all the baby snacks. There's no gummies left in the house. And like you're constantly laughing at stuff that's not funny. It, it, it's, <laughs> uh, oh my God. Like that's not good parenting. That would be like me. Like the one mom's like, I smoke like five times a day and I think it makes me a better parent. Dude, that would be like me every couple hours throwing back a shot of Jack and being like, come on, baby, don't fall or hurt yourself because I can't drive to the emergency room. Like, (laughs) exactly. Oh, my gosh. Worst, worst mom's club ever, in my opinion. Now, the cannabis cocktail parties. It's all in the, in the wording. It's all semantics. It's all, well, it's all in when you do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) If you got to toke up before you like change a diaper, totally different than if you're like hanging out with the girls and eating like cannabis cocktails and that's totally different. Totally different. Right. So, You've got someone watching the babies or the kids, and you're out. Someone who's not high. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I think the people who are going to be most upset about it are all of the psychiatrists out there who are prescribing like Xanax and shit for these women. Right. Like, you know, cause now psh, I don't need to pay for your prescription drugs. I can grow it in my kitchen. <laughs> you know, with worse side effects. Right. What the heck? So I'm fat and hungry all the time. Everything's funny, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway. Fat oh my and gosh. happy. Fat and happy. That's how we like them. You know what? Yeah, I have to admit, though, I was not fat. I, I've, I've not met fat people. <laughs> what? When I was a teenager and other people smoked weed around me, I don't recall them being fat. I gotcha. Isn't that true? <laughs> oh, speaking of being high, did you hear that New Zealand has promoted a pastafarian pastor? Well, I saw a little snippet this morning before I got ready for the show, but I didn't hear everything. She's calling herself a ministeroni. <laughs> 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 These people wear colanders on their heads and pray to a universally created flying noodle. Oh my gosh. And now they have a pastor that can marry them. Yeah. Wow. Because of course we need to breed more of that. But you know what? Their philosophies because... are really great. They believe in having more fun in faith. <laughs> and so I, I believe in that too. You know, they probably have marijuana mom parties. <laughs> I mean, judging by the looks of their wedding ceremony. But anyway, Ministeroni, I like it. I want to be That's one. Funny. They believe in a in a beer volcano in heaven and that but oh. in hell the beer is stale. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of group, doesn't it, Kelly? Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. So, anywho, we're going to go to our first break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking to our first guest, Corey Livingstone, about the benefits of music education in children's lives. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. It's words you never heard, 
February is National Chocolate Month. Historians say the Aztecs discovered chocolate 3,100 years ago, and it was revered to the point of worship. The word chocolate comes from the Aztec word chocolatl, which referred to the bitter, spicy drink the Aztecs made from the cacao beans. The first chocolate bar was invented in 1847 by Joseph Fry. Did you know that it takes one year for a cacao tree to produce enough pods to make 10 chocolate bars? The scientific name for the tree that chocolate comes from, Theobroma cacao, means food of the gods. Man cannot live by chocolate alone, but we women sure can. Personally, I could give up chocolate, but I'm not a quitter. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am here with our first guest, Corey Livingstone, who is... Um, he's combined a lifelong career of being a pianist and composer and a songwriter with his love of being an entrepreneur. And I mean, that's, I'm not, I'm not the pianist composer type, but I certainly understand the value of music and, and all of that, even involved in my business. Um, he's the author of quiet determination, unlocking the gates to unlimited success. And he's the founder and director of the Toronto high school of the performing arts. And some of his students include Cree summer Franks, um, Kino Reeves and Brooke Johnson. And I'm sure, you know, if you're, if you're a music or acting aficionado at all, you know, those names. Um, so pretty impressive. Hey, Corey, how you doing? Fine. How's things down there? Um, getting warmer. Good. Thank I, goodness. I, I like that chocolate ad there. I'm not a quitter. I'm going to use that for my bad habits. People tell me to break. I'm saying well, I'm, I'm not a quitter. You know. That's right. Doggone it. I'm not going to give up nothing. I'm not a quitter. That's a great line. I, I've written that down. I'm going to steal it. Thanks. <laughs> so you, um, you've done some pretty amazing things through music and arts in your, in your lifetime so far. One of the big things that we deal with here in the States is a lot of the schools have become so focused on the academics that we've begun to kind of, um, get rid of, drop, alienate, forget about the arts in our schools. It's become more of a uh, luxury than a necessity. Uh, so true. The same thing goes on up here in my neck of the woods here in Canada. You know, uh, they think there's far more important things to do, but in reality, they're, they're throwing up the baby with the bath water, so to speak, you know. It's absolutely true. I don't know if you listened to the first segment of the show, but the truth of the matter is, Corey, if it weren't for theater and music, I would not have stayed in school. I literally would have dropped out because it, I, I loathed it that much. The only reason I went was because I had to have a certain level of attendance and a certain grade point average to stay in the school musical and to stay in the choral program that I was involved in and loved so much. 
you know, a lot of people find that, you know, this, they, they find that one, it's like a thread, right? Uh, the one saving thread that keeps you moored. You know, it's like a big, you know, the big ships come into port. First, they have to throw the little lines out, right, before they can, before they can secure themselves to port. And, you know, music like that was the same thing for you. That's the one thing that held you, that anchored you. And, uh, and many people, and actually was their salvation in the end. And you, you, you can't, you, no matter what you do in life, you have to have one thing, right? It's that one thing that takes you uh, through the end of the tunnel. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And ironically, it's the, it's the one thing that motivates me to this day. Like it, it, I believe, you know, I, make, I joke about the dance parties in my kitchen, but the fact of the matter is, I think that those are the, those are the moments, those are the times that connect me with my family in a way that if we're in a bad mood, if we're in a funk, no matter what we're feeling, when that music comes on and we connect in that way, whether we're doing a parody or making up our own words or just being silly, it connects us in a way that nothing else does. That's right. You know, and people don't realize that. Like, it, it's so simple that it seems worthless, you know. It's so simple that it's, it's, it's hard. Like, if you want, they want to teach you how to, you know, be nice, Johnny. Be nice, Mary. Here's how you write a letter. Here's how you be polite. But music does all those things, and you don't even know you're doing it. <laughs> so you're communicating. You're communicating with your family. You're, you're, you're having fun. And you're, 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 you don't need a psychiatrist, right? <laughs> How do I reach my children? You've, you've got it right there. I mean, you're, and it's all natural. Yeah. It's and so, positive. It is and, positive and so fun and makes for great video. <laughs> So one of the things that you talk about is that um, the the title of your book is Quiet Determination, Unlocking the Gates to Unlimited Success. Some people say that your book title suggests that the only way to be successful in life is to be involved in music somehow. Do you is that was that your intention? Is that what you were trying to say? It's I, I would say that in my case, I would say in my case. It's true, but generally, it doesn't have to be music. Uh, although I must say, music is, if you want the best of the best, it's music. <laughs> okay? Right. You know, it's like, you know, am I going to buy from store A or store B or store C, right? Uh, store A is music. But it could be athletics. You know, many athletes are um, very successful you know, after their after their careers, you know, they meet, they have set up a network, and they learn things. You know, how to stick to it. They don't keep training, and, and so on and so forth. They won't make the professional level. But on the other hand, you know, there's an inordinate number of professional athletes who, when they finish their career, ten years down the line, five years down the line, they're broke, they're okay. bankrupting. Their, their lives are in a mess. It's something that they didn't have uh, during their, on their way to being successful in what they formerly were, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's an inordinate number of professional athletes who fall that way. Musicians, on the other hand, musicians, it's something that stays with you throughout your whole life. The things that you learn how to 
the things you learn uh, at being uh, successful in music, those things stay, they're actually ingrained with you, and they stay with you, okay? And the success in music is not based upon money, okay? If you're a professional athlete, your success depends upon you getting picked up for a team, a professional team, and they pay you X amount of money and millions of dollars. And with the return that you're going to do this for them and do that for them, uh, as soon as that stops, a lot of stuff goes out the window. Music, that stuff does not go. It's part of your character because, you know, we all strive. We all have to make a living. You know, let's face it. You know, we all have to make a living. And we choose something to do a living, to make a living at. But the things that you learn in music uh, will support you whether you make a, a billion dollars or not. Okay? Mm. Those, those values stay with you. And they form part of your personality. And you transfer those things to other things in your life. They're all transferable. It's like if you can count to ten, you can make change. Okay? If you can count to ten, you can uh, order your, uh, you can line your chairs up in a row. If you can count to ten, uh, you can play a game, so many games. You know, it's something you have you can take with you. Right. So that's. That's why, but of all the ways to, you could, it could be dance, it could be, uh, you could be a chess player, you could be uh, whatever human endeavor it happened to be, but music is, is, the, is, the, is the number one. That's the, you know, if you, have your, if, you, if you have to do it some way, music will do it for you. I, I have read so many studies that say that um, children who are involved in music, who get involved in music at, at a young age, um, have an easier time learning second, third languages, um, have an easier time with math comprehension. And there's, there's so many things that music, learning music at a young age helps us with as we get older. Um, well, so do you think that it's important that parents involve their kids in music? Certainly, you know, and it's been and you're talking about you know the old phrase like you, you're alluding to music makes you smarter. Um, it's not. It just doesn't. It's just not a magic bullet. But there's actually scientists that actually discovered the reasons why. So, take one study that talked about building a baby's brain. Okay, there was a study done by Dr. Diane Bales uh, about the musical training. And, 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 and a newborn's brain. It says, you know, music creates new pathways in the brain. Now, in, the, in our brain, we've got billions of cells that form connections with other brain cells. And as a child matures, these brain cells make more and more connections. Now, the connections that are used regularly become stronger, okay? So naturally, a child that goes up with music develops strong music-related connections. Now, some of these music pathways, uh, psychologists call them synapses, that's the fancy mm -hmm. word. They affect the way you think. For instance, if you listen to classical music, um, it improves your s spatial reasoning. That's the ability to mentally manipulate two-dimensional and three-dimensional figures like a puzzle, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and that promotes the illusion that Make, music makes you smarter. So it's the music that stimulated your brain to do these things. Sure. So, I mean, you learn to um, 
so when you're learning to play a musical instrument, it has a long-lasting effect on your spatial uh, reasoning. So there's, there's, I can go on. I can tell you about problem solving, how music does that, how it improves your memory. Uh, like way back in Greek times, in Greek theater, you know, I don't know if people know that, but in Greek theater, their, their dramas were sung. Mm-hmm. They knew that if they sung the lines, they could remember their, the words far, far easier. So that's going way, way back. So it's even, hysterical. Even the, I mean, if you think about it, how many of us remember every single word to songs that we were in love with when we were 12 years old? Isn't that amazing? It's, but ask, ask and recite a poetry that Mrs. Johnson in grade six made you memorize. I have no idea, right? <laughs> exactly. But I know the, I know the 50 nifty United States because I had to sing them. There you are. There you are. <laughs> And, and and that's that's just the that's just scraping of the surface. You know, the biggest gift that music gives children and I and I, I tell this to actually this really made a this made a big change. I, I do teach mm-hmm. um probably to, to kids. And I remember starting off, you know, every music teacher wants to have all-star students. They're all going to play like Van Clyburn and, and up and down or hype. It's whatever. They're going to be music, musical geniuses. And the parents, is, the parents as well, you know, we're both in the same boat together, but it, it, it's so frustrating because you could have 100 students and you will have one shining star. That's, 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 a, stat, that's, a, that's a stat. Every any teacher who has X number of students, there's going to be one or two percent that they really are proud of. And I realized later on in my teaching career, it's it's not what I'm trying to do. It's, it's not trying to make these musical stars. It's what I'm really teaching these students other than music. And this, so for instance, you have to. I'm teaching a student that they have to practice every day. Mm-hmm. They have to practice for a certain length of time every day. They may not like it, <laughs> right? But you have to do it. So what I'm teaching them in, in the end is being accountable, being responsible that they have, in order to get somewhere, it takes work. Okay? Sure. So I'm teaching this accountability. So this makes my... this turned my whole teaching philosophy around. No longer were most of my, and I'm telling, I'm, I'm telling it like it is, a lot of my uh, uh, lessons uh, a drudgery to get through because the student was just, you know, in quotes, seemed to be hopeless musically, but I was teaching them how to be accountable, how to press on, because in life, we're handling a lot of things we don't like to do, but we got to do them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we send our children to school, don't we? How many kids want to say, Mom, it's too much, it's too cold, I don't want to go to school today? What's Mom going to say? I don't care. Off you go. Okay? <laughs> if they know the value of going to school. And the music lessons are the same thing. And this is why we talked about earlier schools cutting things out like music. You know, it's a proven fact that when, and I've spoken to, I've spoken to kids too. When they start their lessons, like from scratch, and they've noticed other students who've taken lessons, start lessons, they've noticed that their school marks 
they, they, their school marks just rise noticeably. You know, they don't become geniuses overnight, but they, they dig into far more of their potential than they ever did because they're learning how to concentrate, how to stay focused. You know, what do most kids want to do today? Play video games, right? Instant gratification. We're learning through, through music lessons. It takes more than five seconds to learn any simplest of songs. So if you want to learn it, you have to stay with it. Yes, it's, you'll have to work now at it, and it's hard, but you're going to be glad, you're going to get rewards down the line, as opposed to the oh, I I deserve I deserve uh, this reward right away. I don't have to work. Okay, so as soon as you tell a student in the schools, okay, we're cutting out music. Oh, okay, we're telling you don't have to try as hard. We're telling you that uh, you uh, there's that if you work hard now and and maybe sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice to get rewards. They're telling, they're showing them that yes, life. There's an easy way out. And then, when they leave school and look for a job, the employer says, "You know, can you do this?" I mean, they're looking for these type of. They're looking for a certain quality of character in you when you come to a job, because we all know when you graduate from school. Uh, whatever the university or, or college or high school, when you go to a, a certain profession, you are stupid. You are literally, you know nothing. You've got right. years of school, oh, but I'm you sorry. really know nothing. You have to be trainable. Okay? Exactly. Oh, and my gosh, I can't believe that we're out of time, athletes. Corey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have to go. But when we okay. come back to this break... Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. about your morning coffee. Well, you're not alone. Beethoven was quite a bean counter as he always demanded exactly 60 coffee beans used in each cup. Guess he really didn't like slumgullion. That means weak coffee. Some people can't seem to get enough coffee. The French writer Voltaire purportedly drank 70 cups of coffee a day. That amount of caffeine would make anyone wadgety and brickety. Coffee beans actually aren't beans at all. They're fruit bits which makes coffee the most consumed fruit in the United States. Ever heard of cowboy coffee? Apparently, it was made by putting ground coffee into a clean sock, immersing it in cold water, and heating it over a campfire. Then they would drink it out of tin cups. So what's the word for a small tin cup? A pannikin. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. This is God in Country. 
The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Frankie Sense and more. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did, and not to mention... <laughs> along with... <laughs> Whoops! Every week, Frankie and a new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing individuals. Frankie Sense and more. It only makes sense to tune in. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so sorry that we had to cut Corey off like that. <laughs> I know that he was going. I, I know where he was going after the conversation that we were having. Um, and I, I feel terrible that our his last words were, you know, you get out in the workforce and you're stupid. But what he meant was, um, and I'm sure that, that this is the same thing that I deal with with my kids, um, we're not expecting our kids to be autonomous anymore. We're expecting our kids to, um, to just take the tests and pass the classes and make it through school and get your diploma so that you could go out and do, um, bigger, better things in the world. So it's, uh, you know, when we're cutting out the things that they love and we're cutting out the things that allow them to be creative. And when we're cutting out the things that allow them to be expressive, we're cutting out their personality. We're cutting out their ability to thrive and we're cutting out their ability to be successful. And so that's what I was hoping, um, that, that Corey would have been able to say, but unfortunately, um, we didn't get to it. So anyway, um, the, the title of his book is quiet determination, unlocking the gates to unlimited success. So parent nation, I hope that you will check it out and, uh, and learn more about the importance of getting our kids involved in, if your school's dropped it, um, getting them involved in music, arts, whatever passion they have outside of school, because you have no idea how important it is, especially if it's your kid's desire. So anyway, Kelly, are you there? Yes. Hi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a very deep and profound yes. Did you like that? Yeah, that was kind of sexy. I, I bet it turned. <laughs> I bet it turned Ben on. No, I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> so we're trying to get our next guest. Um, it's, you know, that's the thing, isn't it, Kelly, with live radio and time zones? Yes, you just never know what's going to happen. Never know what's going to happen. But um, we did get the book, uh, Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. And so I read it, and I I went one step further, because it's a very short book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I read it in like an hour and a half. And so I had all the other guys in my house read it, too. Because, oh. yeah, right? Right. Because when I read it, um, it's it's written from the perspective of a a young man who is talking with his grandfather um, about his basically his failing relationship, his failing marriage. And um, his grandfather is just like this plethora of um, history, male, male history. Um, and information and, um, things that worked for their relationship. I think the, the reason that the, the young man in the book, he's not really a young man. He's like in his thirties. The reason that the man in the book was with his grandfather was because the, his grandparents were celebrating like a 50th wedding anniversary or something crazy. I forget the details of it. Um, but he goes through and talks with his grandfather about things that I think we have, woefully lost in raising strong young men today. Um, you know, my opinion, Kelly on, you know, girls empowerment. I, it's super important. Um, and at the same time, I think that the more we focus wholly on only girls empowerment, the more we emasculate men and boys. Yeah. It's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Being a mom of boys, <laughs> um, it's it, it's kind of tough. And I found it ironic that the things that he's talking about in this book, um, chapter two, is about being strong, being in charge, being definitive, and um, it's it, it's so hard to to raise strong masculine boys when we're trying to tell girls that boys should that that they don't need a man do you know what i mean oh yeah so oh my gosh i wish that we i wish that we could have Elliot talk about where this came from and um it's you know what actually is there any way that we can take a break and and try to get Elliot on the phone, because it's really important that he talk about this book from a male perspective, because me doing it isn't doing it justice. So yes, let's go ahead and do that. Let's go. Let's do that. Let's take a break. And we're going to try to get Elliot and have him talk about this awesome book. Elliot, we're going to have to have you back on. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what the heck is going on here today, but this is just insane. So I was just bragging like crazy about your book and how I read it. And I had all the guys in my family read it because I'm the only thing in my house that doesn't have a penis, quite honestly. And so... (laughs) So I had everybody uh, read it and I, I really have like a totally different perspective than the guys who read it. It's so funny. So, um, I wanted to get your, 
I totally, first of all, I have to say that I totally agree with everything that you say in the book. I agree oh, with, I agree that the, the trendy ideas about, um, men and male role models and fathers are just totally emasculating men. Um, and I believe that we need to get back to, I, I believe that we need to allow men to be their biological selves. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's interesting. Your, your family's reaction is common. Women agree with the book. It's the men I have a problem convincing. Interesting. They don't believe when I say a woman really wants a man who shows leadership as a husband and a father, not a controlling tyrant, but someone who, you know, is aware of what's going on and sees problems that need to be dealt with and steps forward and deals with it, whether it's in the marriage or in the, with the children. They say, no, no, but I let the women make all the decisions. No. And they can't understand why women are, are fed up and frustrated with them. It's hysterically funny because the teenage boys in my house who read the book said exactly what you just said. They said, no, women today want a guy to leave them alone and not, you know, they want, the women want to make the decisions and the women want to be in control and, and they're strong and independent. And I'm like, okay, but then what's the point of getting married? Right, right. You know, a strong woman, women say they are strong, but they want a man who's stronger than them or just as strong. They don't want a man who's just there to like to do whatever they tell them to do. They, they are like, you know, who says, you decide whatever you want. Oh, it's very frustrating. Even I had so many single women tell me when a man asks him out on a date and then he has no plan, like he, then he asks her, well, where should we go? What do you want to do? Exactly. It's a major strike against him. Like, yeah, because when you're married, there's challenges. If you can't even choose a place for a cup of coffee, how are you going to? handle real challenges in a marriage and a family. Exactly. And, you know, here's the thing. I am a very strong, independent woman. Absolutely. And I feel so much more valued, so much safer, so much more connected because my husband does those things, because my husband is definitive, because he is, um, he is, confident because he is capable and it, that makes me feel better and more comfortable in my role as a mom because I'm not having to do it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That's what uh, women are looking for in a man. And a lot of men just don't understand it, but that that woman's really looking for someone who that's safety, someone, a rock they can lean on, not someone who's always, you know, what do you want to do? What should we do? You know, men think they'll let the woman decide. So then if it's a mistake, they won't get blamed. But they don't understand they're still responsible. People look to the man to be responsible for what's going on in his home. You can't you shirk that responsibility. You see something that's not good, you got to step forward and, and uh, do it. And, you know, you have to get in. You know, a lot of men today, they think, you know, if I just go out and earn a lot of money and pay for the bills, I'm being a good father. They don't realize they're, you know, it's... Their, father, you know, their children need, need more than that. They, treat, they need a father who's going to teach them about life, teach them, you know, tell them about their own life, and, and teach them and encourage them and see their strong points and encourage them. There's so much of, a, you know, being, just being, a, as I say in the book, just being a father who pays for, you know, provides money and a house, that's not being a full father of a family. It's so true. And, you know, I think what we've forgotten or what we've lost is we've we've forgotten the psychology of human beings and the fact that men are fixers by nature. They want to fix things. 
And women are nurturers by nature. That doesn't mean that women are weak. It means that in most things, we are more nurturing. We are more sensitive. We are more coddling. Men, if they see something's broken, they want to know how to fix it. They want to figure it out. And if they can't figure it out and they're not allowed to fix it, they get frustrated. And then we wonder why men step away. You know, then we want to bash them. Oh, it's right. Right. Well, that's often the case when a man feels like he tries to show leadership and he gets criticized. He thinks, well, I'll just play it safe and back away. And, you know, she can't criticize me if I make a mistake. But, you know, leaders make mistakes. They take responsibility and fix it. It's really it's such a major issue in families today that fathers, either they're absent or, or they're just see themselves as providers of money. They're working long hours and then. They, then they see their kids are estranged from them because they think, because, you know, it's here they think they've been great fathers giving all this money to their kids, but they don't realize because the kids see them all just for money. They come to ask them for money. That's their only relationship is because that's all it's been. And then, you know, when a father tries to get involved, he's seen as, like, interfering. He, the father has to you know, communicate to his, his children, talk to them about life, share with them the wisdom that you've learned about life. That's the most important thing. That's what they want. They want you to... Teach them what you learned about life. Absolutely. And you talk about that so gracefully in your book. And Elliot, I'm, I was totally serious. I can't believe that we're out of time, but we've had such a difficult time getting you. And I want to have you back because your book okay. is valuable and your message is important. And I really want to get it out there and share it. So we're going to reschedule you to come back. And in the meantime, okay. Parent Nation, check out Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants by Elliot Katz. And uh, join us on Parent Nation on Facebook or see the website, TaraKennedyKlein.com. And until next week, everybody, keep playing. To pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling